Welcome to the Hammer Lane, a private podcast dedicated to the employees of Enterprise Transportation. Your host and Vice President of Trucking, Casey Teague, will cover topics that are important to you, our favorite employee. Posted once a month, we hope you find this podcast informative and somewhat entertaining. From interviews answering your questions, we'll try and cover all that's relevant to our business. If you have questions you'd like addressed, email them to thehammerlane at eprod.com. That is, again, thehammerlane at eprod.com. Now, let's get into the show. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of The Hammer Lane. Um, and this month in November, this is the month where we, we tend to give thanks. We've got Thanksgiving coming up. And, uh, and then December, we'll get into Christmas. And i tell you what, around here, November, December, don't, don't count on seeing a whole lot of people. It's kind of odd. So I give thanks for not seeing a whole lot of people around here. Makes it, makes, makes it nice and quiet. I figured we'd do something a little bit different. Um, since this is the month where we give thanks, um, I've invited the senior leadership down, and uh, they've, I've coaxed them into uh, getting on the podcast and talking to you guys and just answering one question. And the question's going to be, uh, what does trucking mean to you? Trucking's been around Enterprise for a long time. And uh, I, I, think, uh, I think it'll be neat to get, uh, get the senior leadership's thoughts on what do the trucks mean uh, to them. So first up, I've got uh, my boss, Bob Sanders. He's got the misfortune of having to deal, deal with me every day, uh, along with the Marine guys. Um, welcome, Bob. You've been here how long? Well, uh, welcome, Casey. It's good to be here. Pleasure you invited me. I've been here since December 3rd of 1979. 79, December 79. Mm-hmm. So 43 years in two weeks. Wow. I'll be darned. And how did you get here? Well, how I got here, going to your primary question, what does enterprise or what does transportation mean to me? Sure. I started at Enterprise as the supervisor of rates and billings in the trucking department. <laughs> Back then, we were called CanGo. That's right. And Doug Tipton was the, the president, and Jesse Redvansky was over the commercial aspects. Um, after that job, oh, and speaking of which, this is just a little shout-out to Pat Crawford. I was going to say, Pat worked for you. Pat Pat was in the ratings and billing group back then, worked for me. So uh, she's been here a long time as well. And guess where she, she still works? Yes, sir, I know. <laughs> <laughs> she does a great job. So then I, then I left that job, went to work in distribution for a little while. Then I came back as the manager of commerce, so i.e. the second in command for commercial for trucking. Um, then I went back to business development for enterprise and bounced around two or three commercial jobs in that area and then became the in the asset optimization group and now I'm the executive vice president of asset optimization and like you said I'm back in trucking again because you work for me. (laughs) So you have the trucks you have the boats you've got distribution what is asset optimization explain what that is. Simply put asset optimization is we our group has the ability to look at everything we're doing across all the modes, all the, all, the, all the commercial aspects, and see if there's any way we can make it better one way or another, right? Um, it also means you do whatever the, the boss tells you to do and go chase whatever rabbit that may be. So yeah. we, we do a lot of rabbit chasing. Yeah. Um, but 
essentially that's it. We just we do a, a constant overview of all the assets. You know, you and you and I have talked time and time again about how can we make this aspect better or that aspect better. You know, in the in the trucking arena, and one of the things you guys talked about is you're you're just about to be completely on iPads, right? And that piece of paper that you guys used to use that you hand wrote on, right? That came from me, so I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> All that paper <laughs> was my fault, and it probably looks the same as it did uh, in 1979. Probably hadn't changed a whole whole I lot. Don't, I don't think it has. <laughs> But well, that's really neat. Yeah. So you go, you, you've got your roots back in trucking. And Absolutely. Everything uh, I've got, I owe to truck, trucking. And, and you, uh, I thought it was interesting. You came from uh, the Railroad Commission. Right. And you were an auditor. I was an investigative auditor for the Transportation Division of the Railroad Commission. <laughs> so in other words, I audited Cango, Holocker, and Gas Tech. I'll be darned. Back in the day. I guess you did such a good job, they offered you a job. That's one way to put it. <laughs> we were in pretty bad shape back then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A, ter- a tariff was something that we used as a doorstop. We <laughs> didn't really open it and do anything with it. That's pretty neat. That's interesting, man. And and I think uh, what I think was really interesting is you told me when you first came over, your paycheck basically what doubled. Yeah. So okay. So first off, I started on December third, which is my birthday. Okay. Right. And I left the Railroad Commission and came to work at Enterprise, and my salary literally doubled. The following week, Enterprise used to give out Christmas bonuses. Right. The following week, I got my Christmas bonus, and your Christmas bonus is based on your annual annual salary. I got what I consider, geez, I got a 50% salary bonus. Wow. Right? Which back then wasn't a whole hell of a lot of money. Yeah. But it was like, okay, I've died and gone to heaven. I can imagine Railroad Commission is probably not uh, well, doing in, all that in, great with in, compensation. In, in Austin, uh, being a, a, if you will, a government entity, they basically had a, a, a base that people just didn't want to leave Austin. Sure. So you got paid less than dirt, right, Yeah. to, to work for them. But, uh, yeah, it, it was the avenue that got me here, and I'm thankful that it did because it's been a fun ride. Yeah. It's had its challenges, but it's been a fun ride. So what does is, what is trucking mean to you? Again, I, like I said, uh, everything that I've been able to earn in my life started with trucking, right? And in Enterprise's world, Dan started with trucking, taking it from A to B on a truck. Right. That's what we did back then. That's what we do today. Two little trucks. Yep, two little trucks. We have a few more than that now couple more but uh yeah and i understand we're working on getting some new louisiana bluebellies yep we are and uh they're gonna come from mississippi tank mm-hmm. so should be uh should be nice good trailers guys that's that's news to you guys uh so if you're in our lp group we are uh making an order of 12 new um lp trailers they'll be center and rear uh loading capable uh, so I would anticipate sometime probably mid to, to late next year uh, taking delivery of all 12. So, And uh, so we've got Bob to thank for that. So uh, that, was, uh, that, was, that was a good deal. Not to get too technical on it, but are they going to be uh, 331s? Are they M- MC 331s. Okay. Yep, and they will have uh, the blue belly. Okay, so they're capable of holding propylene, uh, right? No. 
So they're going to be 250-pound okay. trailers. Not, not 265s? We had, no, we've got a lot of 265s. So that last okay. order we made in 15 and 16, yeah. those are all 265. So they're okay. capable. All of, right. We've right. got plenty of propylene okay. Good um, deal. capacity. So, Well, Bob, thank you, sir. I really appreciate you joining us. Great. Glad you had me. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Take I'll see you on guys. the road. Be safe. Ladies and gentlemen, we're continuing with our theme, What Does Trucking Mean to You? And for that, we've got two more guests from our senior management, Randa Duncan and Randy Fowler. They're joining us on the podcast. Thank you uh, for taking the time to, uh, to visit with us, and I promise this won't take much, much of your time. Um, Randa, if y'all don't know, is our chairman and has been around Enterprise for, well, a lifetime. Um, and, uh, Randy is, uh, our co-CEO and, and you've been here, sir, for about 22 years. Um, so welcome to the hammer lane. What do you, what do you think of the studio? It's legit, right? It's legit. <laughs> <laughs> they walked in, they're like, what on earth is all this stuff? So it really is a legit studio. And so it's a unique way to get information out to an organization that's, uh, that's spread out all over the place. So this is our eighth episode. We've done seven so far, um, and that's since May. Uh, we get about 100 unique uh, listeners per month, um, and we've had 600 episode downloads uh, since we've been doing this. So some, some people uh, listen to it multiple times on different, different uh, platforms and devices. So it registers as is more than one listen. So with that, Randa, if you don't mind, we'll start with you. Um, you told me when you were younger uh, that uh, I thought this was an interesting story, and I think the listeners will think so too. You weren't allowed to answer the phone in the house. Why, why is that? So the very first summer after Daddy came to Enterprise, um, it was run out of our kitchen because the original company came from Stuttgart, Arkansas, and they moved the office to Houston when he got involved. And so they didn't have office space yet, so it was run out of the kitchen. <laughs> and my mother, who had been um, a secretary before she got married, so she acted as a secretary, and we had a pink message pad by the phone. And whenever the phone rang, we weren't allowed to answer it because she could answer it and say, Enterprise Products, can I help you? <laughs> wow. So run out of the kitchen, and it's come a long way since the kitchen. Um, yeah, we have better phones. We do have better phones. <laughs> and we have a podcast. <laughs> so, you know, I, I thought that story was neat because I think what makes this place really unique as large as Enterprise has gotten, when you spend time in our truck terminals, it really does have the have the look and feel of a small family uh, family run organization, and I just I think that's kind of neat and it's kind of special, uh, at least for me. Uh, so, with that said, you've seen Enterprise grow from just a couple of trucks and officing in your kitchen uh, to uh, one of the largest publicly traded partnerships in the midstream space. With that said, tell us what what trucking means to you? Well, first off, I hope that it's a family company places other than the truck terminals. Well, I can't comment on them. <laughs> <laughs> I want everybody at, who works with Enterprise to think that they belong to the Enterprise family. And um, as far as family and trucking, I had a great uncle who retired as a driver from Enterprise. I didn't know that. Yes. 
And my grandfather worked at a number of jobs. I don't know if he was, he was a welder. He was a mechanic. He was a storage operator. And when he retired for the second time, he worked out at the Texas City Terminal cleaning tanks. Oh, wow. And Mike Stark, when he was the manager of the Texas City Terminal, he worked with my grandfather. Really? Yes. That is neat. It is a very family business. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it really is. And Mike Stark, talking about Mike, I think he started um, washing trucks and ended up as uh, when when transportation was a privately held company, I think he was the president. Yeah. Yeah, that's a heck of a story too. So that's really neat. Okay. So it's means family. It means family. And That's that, fair. I mean, I remember being a little girl when Daddy worked for Wanda, and you'd see Wanda trucks all over the place, and that was exciting. And then when Enterprise came along, you'd see Enterprise trucks, and you'd see Cango trucks. And we would go to the, the trucks terminals used to have the best parties. So we would go to the, Brobridge had this huge crawfish boil every year, and we would go to that every year. That was a lot of fun. Well, so that's funny you mentioned that because uh, Corey Duga is the uh, Brobridge uh, terminal manager, and uh, and he's he's having a pretty good throwdown for uh, for his Christmas party, so it should be good. And we've had, uh, we, you know, we did a barbecue cook off in Baytown a few years ago, and uh, Corey did a uh, was it a, I think it was a shrimp shrimp boil. It was a shrimp boil, and it was a contest. So we had drivers come in and judge, and he didn't win. You know Scott McFarlane, right? Yes, I know Scott. Scott won, and I and I was his sous chef. So <laughs> we got so one. So in on. spite of. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. I could cook. I'm pretty good. Well, thank you very much. I, I We appreciate it. Um, and let's let's move on to Randy. Randy, there, there's a lot of folks here in trucking uh, that enjoy the, the great outdoors, me included. Um, and, and as I prepared for this, um, I, I, it, it occurred to me that, that uh, I recall you being very involved in the Texas Parks and Wildlife, uh, and there's a, a, a game wardens organization. I thought it'd be interesting if you kind of shared with us what, uh, what that is and how, how you're involved in that. Okay. Yeah, Casey, good to be with you uh, today. Thank you. The, um, I guess I was approached maybe four years ago. Uh, under Texas, and Par- Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation, they've got a, a nonprofit gear up for game wardens. And it was put together um, by a couple of guys' grassroots efforts because they were game wardens were having a hard time getting some of the equipment that they needed through the Texas budget process. And, you know, in, at that point in time, the, um, Texas was in a pretty austere mode from a budget standpoint. And uh, it was very difficult for citizens to provide that equipment without go- running afoul of um, game warden policies. Sure. And I think Dan had actually experienced that frustration years before when um, gasoline and diesel prices got so high. He was trying to help some of the game wardens out, but there were all these policies again. Right. So I think they had to work through Austin to be able to do it. So anyway, the gist of the Gear Up for Game Warden program like I said, it's a nonprofit, and it it uh, they basically each each uh, the game wardens in each region come in with their wish list of equipment, and the um, the the wish list can be range from something uh, small like snake boots or um, 
some of those FLIR, FLIR monocular Oh, yeah, those thermals. are awesome. And drones, they use drone technology, too. All, all the way up to, uh, to drones and then actually airboats. And so, uh, and then when you, and, and to a degree, I, I guess, really hats off to the game wardens, because when you, when you think about it, they're the Swiss Army knife of law enforcement in the state of Texas. Oh, sure. And because, and probably from a law enforcement standpoint, probably the most powerful when you think of not only they can, you know, they can come in and enforce and have some of the same powers that a sheriff or a DPS would have, but at the same time, they can also enforce um, federal wildlife regulations as well. So they really run the gamut. And uh, as a result, they, they, um, Pretty, pretty neat equipment. Like I said, you know, when whether it was Hurricane Harvey, whether it's some of the floods uh, on the Colorado River, they get involved in search and rescue operations. And then the neat thing, you brought up the drones. Um, actually, through Gear Up for Game Wardens, they were able to, they basically, we purchased their first drone. And, huh. and prior to that, they were trailering a helicopter wherever they needed. Sure. And so then they were able to replace it with a drone, and within two or three months of, of putting the drone in service, they had a thermal drone. They had a, um, basically they lost two kayakers on the Guadalupe River uh, during colder weather where uh, exposure would have been an issue, and they were, like, able to find them. Once they had sort of were able to tr- uh, triangulate on, on a cell signal, I think they sent the drone up, and, like, within 20 minutes they found the uh, – the, the two rafters, but they were able to do that. They found so many applications, I guess, before first responders go into a fire, they were able to do aerial surveillance of, right. that, of that, of the building on fire before they f- sent first responders in. And uh, it has really been a game changer for the game wardens. And now I think they're up to 60, 60 uh, drones uh, across the game wardens. And so this organization has been able to uh, get around some of those internal policies and allow um, donations, I guess, yep. of, of this equipment. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, in case probably in the four years I think it's been around, um, probably uh, it's raised $3 million. Uh, as far as buying that equipment, and $3 million will go a long way. They oh, heck yeah. They still have a wish list. Sure. And uh, you can see that on Gear Up for Game Wardens. Uh, if you Google that, it'll it'll show up. But I think it it, um, it also helps further a relationship between a, a landowner and the game wardens in the area. Because, uh, Rand, I know Charlie actually talks to the game warden out in, in where, where you guys are and see what his needs are, and then Charlie – guys have been able to contribute to gear up for game wardens with whatever his needs were yes the bandera needs are much much smaller though (laughs) (laughs) you know that that's funny you say that because i I was watching laurie and i were watching uh, the news um, a week or so ago and there was something on about uh, houston police officers uh, are required to purchase their own sidearm uh, their own uh, flashlight. I think uh, the department provides their belt. Um, they uh, they provide uh, qualifying ammunition, but service ammunition they have to provide themselves. Handcuffs. Uh, each individual officer has to provide it himself. And on the surface, that doesn't seem like a bad deal. But a starting police officer is making less than fifty grand a year. So, Laurie and I saw that, and I thought, man, that sucks. That's that just stinks. And so I, I talked to Chris, our security guy, Losi, and said, hey, what do I need to do to be able to donate handguns to, uh, to, the, to HPD officers that are just graduating from the academy? 
And we talked about it, and it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Internal policies really uh, prevent you from being able to do that, uh, at least very easily. So I'm still talking to them about it, but... Yeah, I thought that was kind of crazy. That is. Um, and it apparently is very commonplace. A, law, a lot of uh, law enforcement agencies uh, do require that. Yeah. Well, so. in case I was surprised when, uh, you know, my son was in the Marines, just the gear he needed to purchase on his own that I, I would have thought the Marines. Is that right? Yeah, the, the Marine, he wasn't in the Army. So he was in the <laughs> Marines, the few, the proud. So they had to do a lot on their own nickel. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah. Think. Unless he wanted something special. So, anyway. Well, with that, uh, Randy, I appreciate it. That's interesting. In in your 22 years of being here at Enterprise, you've seen a lot, too. So, the same question. What what does trucking mean to you? Yeah, and uh, Kelsey, I'd, I, uh, Kelsey, I'd start out with, with first, my my dad started out as a truck driver. After oh, he wow. Got, after he got out of the Marines in World War II, his first job was at a, a truck driver for... At the time, it was called the Air Reduction Company, became Airco, and now I think it's part of Lindy. But it was basically okay. he was in charge. Ultimately, he worked up that he was in charge of their trucking operation for about 14 states in the southeast. So uh, so I sort of grew up uh, uh, somewhat with, you know, where, whether it was, you know, needing to get a, um, uh, a load of product from point A to point B in a hurry or – uh, you know, the, the unfortunate times when you had an accident, heard about those too. So, yeah. uh, I was almost feel like that I, I grew up under with a truck driver training to a degree. So, uh, but it's, you know, with, with enterprise, I think, you know, we talk a lot about our value chain and, you know, call it the first link and the last link in the value chain or the right. first mile and the last mile Sure. As, as far as providing the services and, uh, really think of it a, a lot of times and, and you've witnessed this. Uh, it's, it's sometimes it's a quick reaction force. Oh, absolutely. Because there's, there's a customer in need or there's an opportunity and you can't build a pipeline that quick, but, but you can come in and provide, uh, provide the trucking operation to come in and, and, uh, react quickly. Sure. Yeah. And we, we've seen quite a few of those funny story. Um, I think it was about two years ago and, and knock on wood, we've not had Texas city go down in a while. Um, but, uh, we were slow in trucking. And I just kind of made the, the comment in passing, man, you know what we need? We need Texas City to go down because we just get lines and lines of trucks. And I swear the next week Texas City went down and they, they called us. And I don't know how many trucks we had, but they're between Texas City and Bellevue. So I, I didn't do that on purpose. Yeah. But. but, you know, Casey, a lot of times, it, but you hit on the point, it's uh, fail-safe reliability sure. yeah. when, when something goes bump in the night. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now we've gotten that call, and, and we don't mind getting that call. I, I think uh, we talked um, a couple of weeks ago about remaining relevant uh, to uh, to enterprise, and and that's that's one way, at least in my mind, uh, when uh, when our family calls us, uh, we respond. Uh, so that's way the way uh, that I think we remain relevant. So um, thank you all. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, this this is perfect. Uh, so uh, thank you uh, for spending time with the Hammer Lane. And with that, we're on to our next guest. Thank you. All right, guys, we're off to our last guest. And you've, uh, you've heard him before. If you listen to the first episode, uh, we recorded it in May. Um, my, uh, my dad, the co-CEO, y'all know him as Jim Teague. 
Um, he, uh, he was on the first podcast episode and he talked a little bit about project nine. So we're going to conclude, uh, this episode, episode eight, uh, with, uh, with him. And, and before we get into the question, uh, we're going to get uh, a little update on, you know, you opened up this, this whole podcast thing with project nine. So why don't you tell all our listeners uh, how we're doing? We're doing pretty good. Um, I think, uh, if we keep performing and bringing in the results in the last quarter that we have in the first three quarters of this year, I think, uh, I think you might have a little spending money, <laughs> but you never know until the game's over and we've got to push hard for the next two months. Next two months. Okay, guys, you heard it from the horse's mouth. Doesn't say we're going to make it. it says we're in good shape. Yeah, I've not I've not known him to not make it, so I'm I'm fairly certain that y'all gonna have some Christmas money. No. Okay, maybe money next year. Okay. <laughs> Enough of that. <laughs> okay. With that said, so uh, we're gonna finish this off. Um, you've been here 22, 23 years, uh, and you've seen a lot of enterprise. Uh, it's grown tremendously. And trucks have always been a part of that. So I thought it would be neat if you told us, what does trucking mean to you? Yeah, you know, that's uh, how Dan started. You know, he, he, um, he started out uh, as a marketing company with trucks at Wanda Petroleum. So in one sense, it's a legacy. Uh, right. You said it, they've, we've always had trucks. Um, and uh, as far as I'm concerned, we always will. I see trucks as, uh, and I probably you probably got a similar answer from uh, from say Randy and others, but really trucks are the link at the beginning of the value chain and mm-hmm. at the end of the value chain. It's that last mile. So if you if you um, are getting crude oil from a lease that is uh, not tied to the pipeline, then trucks are an extension of your pipeline. And if you're selling to an end user, I think you do a lot with uh, Lindell. Mm-hmm, we do. Okay, or, or, or um, Delic. Uh, you're the last mile. Right. You're the way we get the uh, refinery-grade propylene to Delic. I think you, uh, um, uh to some other, to other refineries or petrochemical plants. Uh, and I know we've, uh, back in the past, we used to do something out of Dow Chemical over in Plaquemine. I don't think y'all are doing that anymore. But it, trucks are what ties both end of, ends of the value chain together. And we're going to, you know, and the other thing, trucking to me is, like I started with, it's, it's uh, Enterprise's legacy. Yeah, so Randa Randa talked about um, what it means to her is is family, and we talked a little bit about, you know, when she was younger, her mother wouldn't let her answer the phone, and this this whole thing was run out of her kitchen, and uh, so her mom had to answer the phone as if it were an, an office environment. And what I think is unique, and what I explained was, if you get on our trucking terminals today, it still has that look and feel of a smaller organization. Whereas it's and it's just a massive thing right now. You know why he's doing it out of his kitchen? He 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 had a non compete with Ashland. Is that right? <laughs> That's what I understand. <laughs> but uh, you know, a little history. Um, Dan started out at Wanda Petroleum, and uh, they were a marketing company. They had uh, some some salt dome wells. I think over they 
in Louisiana. But anyhow, he uh, started out as kind of a distribution person, and he rose to be executive vice president of marketing. Huh. And uh, then uh, the guy that owned the truck, the Wanda Petroleum, was named T.C. Morrow. And T.C. got into trouble. Uh, I think he was getting going through a divorce, so he had to sell Wanda. And he sold it to Ashland Noel. Well, Dan wasn't a type to work for a corporation like Ashland Oil, so he, he, he resigned, and that's where the non-compete came in. Huh. So it goes full circle. So Dow Chemical bought Wanda Petroleum. Well, see, I remember that. From, that was in the 80s, right? Uh, yeah. Dow Chemical bought Wanda Petroleum in the early 80s from, um, from Ashland. And then uh, later, Dan bought Wanda Petroleum from Dow. Right. So it went full circle. Because when, when Wanda was bought by Dow, you were over there off the Beltway, right? Uh-huh. And then off the, I yeah. remember that. Yeah, yeah. And do, do you know we still have some of those Wanda trailers? Do you really? We do, yep. Well, you know, it all started with Wanda Petroleum, and uh, that's what I mean by legacy. Well, it's uh, We've had them, we will have them, but one of the things I've noticed uh, is y'all's earnings have been pretty decent compared to some of the years in, in the past when, you know, used to, what, y'all only had about 10% third-party business? Yeah, yeah, that on our LP, our common carrier was, yeah, if that. You know, we if, if it was a, if we were moving a molecule, it belonged to Enterprise. Now you got to, uh, co- what, what percent? We're, we're probably, we kind of bounce between 60 and 40%, and it kind of moves sometimes at 60% Enterprise, Sometimes it's 60%, uh, a, you know, a third party, other That's pretty external good, customers. That's pretty good. It's, it's been a big change. And, and our marketing guy, Mark Arnold, is just fantastic. Yeah, he's he he's driven good. that. And um, uh, Sam Hawley, you do anything with oh, him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Sam's one of our biggest fans. Oh, is he? <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> Come around that. <then. laughs> yeah, he is. He likes us. So, but, uh, uh, but, but um, I mean – you guys out there in the trucks, think of yourselves as you're the start of the value chain, uh, especially in crude oil. Yeah. And you're the link that ties us into the last mile with a lot of customers. You know, I, I think I've heard I think I've heard it from you talk about the pipelines get you to the stadium. Yeah. And then the trucks get you, get to, you to your seat. Right. Yeah, that's a good good way to explain it. So. Well, I appreciate you joining us on the Hammer Lane. So uh, that that's going to conclude this uh, this episode, episode eight. And ladies and gentlemen, again, this is a month where we give thanks, and I thought that it would be appropriate if we had our senior management come down and just talk about, well, what do the trucks mean to you? Uh, so with that, ladies and gentlemen, please be safe. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. And as you get into Christmas, uh, Merry Christmas, and have a happy new year. Be safe, and I'll see you in the Hammer Lane. Thanks. This has been a podcast for you, our favorite employee. Stay tuned for more podcasts from Casey and the team. If you would like to submit a question, remember to email them to thehammerlane at eprod.com. Again, that's thehammerlane at eprod.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, do the best you can every day. Uh